Inch by inch, row by row, going to make this garden grow. Well, folks, we're getting mighty close to that again. we got a little bit of time left. And welcome to another episode of Growing and Greener Kenai with me, Larry Opperman. I am happy to be here on this wonderful, always wonderful Central Peninsula Day, albeit a little bit chilly. Uh, and uh, not a whole lot going on in the garden right now, is there, folks? But anyway... Uh, it's like minus 15 right now, and uh, I don't know what else to say about that. Is It's like on Groundhog Day when the radio, Bill Murray lifts the radio and goes, it's cold outside. Well, that's what it is right now. It is cold, but hey, we live in Alaska. We know what we put up with, and this is no better place to live as far as I'm concerned. And uh, we do have a winter uh, weather advisory in effect uh, starting here about any time. And we're supposed to get a little snow. I don't think we're supposed to get as much as what they initially thought. But uh, more snow's on the way. We know there will be snow all the way. We got, uh, oh gosh, February, February, March. Yeah, we got good uh, 90 days left and almost into May when we could still get some pretty hefty snows as it's happened in the past. But anyway, we're not here to talk about the weather. We're here to talk about some gardening. And before we get going on that, I would like to uh, make a few announcements of what's coming up uh, in the gardening world. And uh, one of the things that always gets gardeners excited uh, is seeds are starting to show up in the big box store, at, uh, at other, other places. Seeds are coming in. And uh, for you folks that like Baker Creek seeds, Alaska Industrial Hardware in Kenai, they've got a nice display of Baker Creek seeds. They've got a lot of stock right now. And uh, it's, time to start, uh, it's time to start thinking about that, folks. It's time to start thinking about getting your seeds. If you haven't got them already, getting them, getting a few things started that need to be started. Uh, now, there are, believe it or not, and I'm going to talk about that in a little bit, there are some things that actually need to be started right now, uh, depending on what type of gardener you like to be. Uh, coming up on uh, April 27th and 28th is uh, the Alaska Homestead Expo. It's in uh, out at Big Lake. It's a, a couple of day event, April 27th and 28th. And if you're interested in that or going up to that, you can check out their website. It's just called Common Ground Alaska, C-O-M-M-O-N-G-R-O-U-N-D-A-L-A-S-K-A.com to find out a little bit more information about that. And then coming up in March is the uh, Alaska Botanical Gardens up in Anchorage, their spring conference. That's March 23rd and 24th. And to do a little, uh, find out about that, just go do a search on the, uh, uh, for the Alaska Botanical Garden and you can get the schedule for that. Uh, my wife and I had actually thought about going to that, but we're actually going to be out of Alaska during those uh, two days. So not this year. But then one of the other things to let you know is the seed library is back up and running and the seed library is now located for those of you who don't know it is now located at the goods restaurant there at the corner of k beach and sterling highway uh, willow uh, uh, runs that place uh, they make good breakfast and everything but anyway the seed library is in there right now and it is uh, it's ready to go i mean they have they've got some uh, They've got some good stuff in there. Uh, you can get seeds around. The library is stocked. 
There's a donation bin for leftover seed packets. Uh, if you want to don do some donating, but they've got some thyme, beets, uh, other other uh, chives, onion, leeks, uh, you can go in there and do a trade and get you some seeds. Uh, and there again, that's one of those things where at the end of the year, uh, they'd love to see people let a few of their plants go to seed, collect those seeds, and then donate them to the seed library. And like I said, that's at the Goods. They're at the corner of K Beach and Sterling Highway in the old, oh, I can't remember, what was it, a sizzler? It was a steakhouse. Uh, it was a barbecue place for a while, and uh, and now it's the Goods. So, uh Head on down there if you want to get some seeds to check out the, the seed library. But the big thing that's coming up is the Central Peninsula Garden Club Roundtable. And that's something that the club does every year to help folks with their gardening. And it's going to be held this year on February 17th. That's two weeks from today. We're actually doing it a month early. We usually do it in March, but it's a month early this year. The Roundtable, February 17th from noon to 2.30 p.m. at Kenai Peninsula College where the, where the club holds their monthly meetings through the winter. And you go in by, that, the, by the door that has, as I've said this before, that has the big scrap metal moose sculptures. That's where you go in. But anyway, we've got, uh, we've got a pretty good crowd this year. Uh, helping folks with their gardens. We got Bobby Jackson from Jackson Gardens, who will be talking about berries. Kathy Haas, one of our Garden Club board members, uh, an excellent gardener. She'll be talking about seed starting. Dennis Spindler, club member, will be talking about perennials. Janet Pajinki will be talking about the food connection. Marion Owen about herbs. Sarah Donchi, we're hoping we have her from Kenai Feed, who has always been a great supporter of the Garden Club, talking about high tunnels. Lee Brewer will be talking about grow buckets. And Sarah McElray, who runs Sarah's Alaska Bee, Alaska Honey, uh, she'll be talking about bees. And yours truly, me, Larry Opperman, will be talking about growing potatoes in containers and, uh, and other uh, items you can grow in containers, too. So we're really looking forward that's two weeks from today, Kenai Peninsula College from noon to 2.30 p.m. Come on down, talk garden, uh, sit through some of the programs, uh, just come and talk and maybe learn a few things about gardening in Alaska. And we're really, we're really looking forward to the roundtable this year. So we'd love to see everybody down there. Come on down and, uh, and have some fun with us. So anyway... What's some of the things we want to talk about today? Well, one thing I'm going to talk about is something that uh, uh, has been mentioned to me before. And I'm not, I got to tell you, I'm not a super expert on this, but I, I can do this too. And I'm actually going to be doing some of this this summer at, at my place. Anyway, what it is is how to propagate raspberries from either suckers, layering, cuttings, however you want to. You can actually grow them from seed if you want to. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know how it is in the summer. A lot of raspberries grow up here in Alaska. And come summer, you know, it's almost impossible to have too many raspberries. You know, if you don't eat them fresh, you can store them, freeze them, juice them, 
whatever you want to do. And thankfully, they're actually pretty easy to propagate. And uh, several things you can do to propagate them. Uh, the, the one thing I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remind folks about, though, is raspberries, they can actually become a nuisance if you're not careful. It's kind of like mint. Mint will take over a garden if you don't put some type of barrier in to keep it from spreading. Well, raspberries can be the exact same way. Uh, it can be a, it's kind of a, it's kind of can be a thug, kind of a, a, a bully and a thug in the garden or on the edge of your garden. But what that means is it's also easy to propagate those new plants out of those thugs, you know. So, uh, and I mentioned to you folks before, one of the things I do with my, my uh, mint is I've actually got my mint growing in a, uh, I think it's about a two and a half gallon plastic container with the bottom cut out of it. And that is sunk down in the ground where just the top rim of that is level with the ground surface. And that's what I grow my mint in. And that keeps it from spreading like, and just that much mint in, in that area of space will give you more mint than you'll ever need. So that's what, that's what we do to keep it from spreading all over creation and uh, taking, up, taking up too much space. So anyway, uh, to keep raspberries or other uh, plants that tend to propagate real easy, pro propagate themselves, that's one of the things you can do is to put in a barrier to keep them from spreading, and that'll keep them in a particular location. The tough part about that is, boy, plants are pretty resilient, and they very well could try, you know, sending a root down under and it goes past that plastic or whatever you use and then up it comes and i did have that happen with my mint and i nipped that in the bud pretty quick and I, a couple of years ago and i haven't had any trouble since then so that uh, but it sure makes it a lot easier than trying to uh, control it without without uh, digging up the whole darn thing so but uh, when you're propagating raspberries, there are several ways to do it. And one of the things that you need to do if you've already got some, if you're wanting to get some more, is you need to choose a, a really healthy and the strongest plant that you have there. Uh, for the, It gives you a better chance of su success. There, there, there are some raspberry diseases, and I'll have to tell you, I'm not sure if we have that problem up here. I'd have to check. Uh, I'll check with our friend Casey down at, uh, at uh, the UAF Extension Center. And by the way, to digress a little bit, Casey gave us a fantastic presentation on chickens in the garden and using their manure at our last monthly meeting here. Uh, in January, and it was absolutely fantastic. So, uh, so anyway, I I needed to go talk to Casey and see if we actually have much problem with some of the raspberry diseases up there, because you want to not try to propagate a plant that's got the disease in it. So, how can you? How can? Uh, what's uh, one of the ways to propagate your plants? Well, one of the things raspberries do is they run suckers so uh you know it's like a lot like a strawberry sends out a sucker plants send out suckers and one of the one of the things you can do is get that raspberry plant look at it 
and you'll see, oh, I don't know, maybe, maybe six, eight, you know, 10 inches from the main uh, stalks coming up, uh, canes coming up out of the ground, you'll see some little bitty plants coming up. Well, those are typically the suckers of that raspberry variety. And different raspberry varieties sucker more than others. Uh, and like I said, a planted without a root barrier, they'll take over an area and become very dense. And, and it actually makes harvesting your raspberries and pruning them uh, really tough, if not in, impossible. Uh, and, and it also uh, increases the likelihood of potential for disease. So thankfully, suckers, though, they're easy to remove and they can be used for new plants. So what you do is you you get uh, from spring through autumn look for some of that new sunker uh, sunker sucker growth uh, like i said about maybe maybe 10 inches or so away from the parent plant and you like i said you'll see a, a little line of little bitty green shoots coming up and what you do is Dig up the sucker plant using your trowel, your spade, or whatever. But the big thing is be very careful not to damage the roots of that parent plant. You want to be sure you're far enough away to not damage the parent root plants uh, or the parent plant's roots. Although, I, I tell you what, uh, they're, they're darn near impossible to kill. So, uh, but be real careful doing that. So, if the sucker or the runner is still attached to what's called the lateral stolon coming out of the the parent plant and it's formed its own roots you can cut it away from that mother plant and now you've got a bunch of little starts so you can transplant the sucker to a newly prepared site that you've got and like i said uh, uh, space them out and uh, you know, you can use a uh, use a slow-release fertilizer, and some of the tomato foods actually uh, work pretty good for raspberries. And you can plant them in the ground, or you can pot them up individually and grow them in a container. And then you want to keep the soil, you know, not soaking wet, but moist until they're fully established. And then you can prune them. And, and then transplant them, or gosh, you can sell them probably. I don't know. Uh, so anyway, that uh, that's one way to propagate your raspberry plants if you've got some growing already. Another thing way to do it is you can propagate them from cuttings. So And there's other woody-stemmed plants that you can do this with, like currants. So they can be propagated. You take a hardwood cutting when the plant is dormant in the winter. And what's what's weird is, you know, I've I'm not sure if this is actually one of the more common ways to do it. You can do it and it's it's not really hard, uh, but there's other ways that are easier and less time consuming and have a have a good success rate. But this works if you want if you want to give it a try. So one of the things you do with your raspberry plants is find that raspberry plant in the winter uh, once the plants have shed their foliage you want to be sure their foliage is off and then cut a healthy looking cane into some pieces maybe 
eight inches long or so, 10 inches, uh, not, not so much 10 inches. And what you do is we all, as gardeners, we all know that, that plants, uh, they've got a bud, a little, a little nub on the side of that plant that you can see where the next growth is going to come out of. And you can do this with other flowers too. You know, I've, I've had real good luck, uh, not a, not a, uh, a woody stem plant, but, but propagating uh, petunias, especially the night sky petunia, those things are kind of expensive. So you buy a couple, and if you're real careful, you let those grow for a little while, and then you clip them where there's a node coming out, and you want to dip them in a little bit of rooting compound, put those down in a little soil, cover them up in a little greenhouse-type structure and one of the best things to use for that is some of those plastic clam shells like we get from the grocery store like you get uh, uh, grapes in and that type of stuff that makes a perfect little greenhouse that's going to hold in the humidity and it'll get those petunias and they root and then you got them down you've got a basket full of uh, petunias uh, for a lot less money out of your pocket so anyway Take uh, when you're doing that with the raspberries, and as is like I said, this can be done with other woody woody stem plants. You can do it with trees, uh, like I said, currants, other woody stem plants. Take that healthy looking cane, maybe eight, nine inches long, and you make a cut just above and below the buds that are on that. And like I said, as gardeners, we know what the little buds look like. It's that little bump on the side of the of the cane. You want to strip the lower leaves. And buds off the, that cutting, you only want to use the top two or three buds on there, depending on how long it is. One or two buds will work. So you insert those cuttings about two-thirds deep into a pot filled. You actually want a little bit of lower nutrient and free-draining cuttings mitts. You don't want to over-fertilize these. Uh, it's just like doing a seed mix for your regular seeds. Uh, one of the biggest mistakes gardeners made is they, excuse me, they fertilize too early in the plant's growth, and that's uh, that's not a that's not a good one. So, uh, one of the things too, you can do this in the house. Uh, you can do them. Uh, you can actually do them in an unheated greenhouse or cold frame, but up here, that's going to be tough to do in the in the winter time, like right now. Uh, if you're trying to do that right now, I think that's going to be tough. So my recommendation would be to wait till we warm up a little bit, get some of those cuttings, and wait for them to wait for them to uh, check them out after a certain amount of time to see if they've rooted. And once they've rooted, you can do whatever you want with them. Pretty much, you can uh, pot them. You can plant them in the ground. I would recommend you pot them for a little while and keep them protected and watch them till they get big enough to maybe transplant into the ground. Now, one of the, to me, one of the easiest ways to propagate your uh, raspberries is called layering. And there's actually a lot of plants that you can do this to. And layering means that... You take that, you take that cane that's growing well. You can do it with blackberries. You can do it with other plants. You can experiment with a little, a little bit. 
you need a little bit of patience, but what you do is you take a good-looking cane that's growing up, and if you don't, if your plant doesn't produce any suckers, you can do what's called layering, and there's several ways to do the layering. So, what you do is in the spring, and you see the plants are starting to a little bit of green up you select a real long cane that's long enough to 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 easily bend over and reach the ground so then make a little cut in the soil maybe three to four inches deep and take the tip of that cane and put it down in that little slot in the ground and then cover it up with some soil and then I'd recommend that you you because it's going to have some uh, that cane is going to have some elasticity in it and it's going to want to stand back up again take a metal wire or a tent peg or or anything you know especially those little uh, uh, those big staples that you use to hold your your um, oh uh, your landscape fabric in the ground like a like a giant you know they're like a a, a giant staple push that down on it not too hard but just enough to hold that cane down on the ground you backfill that cane and with uh, soil and, and you water it so keep the soil moist over the months now up here we usually don't have to worry about that we had a couple of years ago we had this problem but most of the time we get enough rain that will 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 cover it so then what you can do is in the autumn or even the following spring, check that tip for new growth. And if you get up there in that new growth, if you tug on that cane, uh, it, it's probably not going to come out of the ground. So if the new plant, if it's formed its own roots, you want to cut it off from the parent plant and then plant it in situ, which means right on site then, or pot it up. Uh, to grow in a container uh, and watch it for a little while and uh, and and do it that way you know so that's uh that's one of the what's one of the ways to do it and it gets you some really good uh, easy way like I said patience is required and then uh, you can do uh, there's another man this is called simple layering uh, same way you select that long flexible cane and approximately, uh, oh, let's see, what would it be, about seven inches, six, seven inches from the growing tip, remove all the leaves, and make a real slight wound about five centimeters long, and that's about an inch and a half, uh, two inches, and with a real clean and a real sharp knife, and then dig a shallow trench, uh, like I said, about your, your four inches or so deep, and lay that wounded part of the cane in the trench. You peg that down too and backfill like, like the other way and water well. And after a year, check to see if that layering has rooted. You know, because some plants, you know, whenever you, whenever you wound them like that, they decide to grow, protect themselves, and they'll put, potentially put roots down. So that's another way to, to do this. So anyway... These are these are different ways, and there again, like I said, the, the I think the biggest thing to remind folks about is that, as I said before, raspberries are bullies; they're thugs. 
Mint is a thug. There are thug plants out there that will absolutely overtake your garden if you're not careful. So, you know, I actually I actually plan to uh, plant some along our property line this year and see how they do. I'm not going to, I've got, uh, you know, I'm not going to plant 100 feet worth of raspberries, but I'm going to plant some raspberries and then hopefully next year I'll, they'll get uh, well enough this year and they will be in a, in a position, not this upcoming summer, but the next summer to potentially take some cuttings off of them and run farther down the property line and eventually fill my property line up. And I'm, and I'm trying to decide I've, uh, my wife and we've got just a little under two acres. So space isn't really a big deal. But I'm not sure yet if I'm going to put a, a barrier in to keep them from spreading. That that's something that I feel like I want to do though, uh, because I don't want we we uh, the neighbors behind us have got some raspberries on their place, and they are so thick you can't you can't get into the center of the plant to pick the berries that are on those, and uh, it's uh, it's one of the things where I would really like to uh, make them so they're easily accessible. And then what I want to what I want to show you too, or, or tell you too. Well, I could show you. I got something. If I I guess if I held it up to the microphone, maybe you could see it or not. You can imagine it anyway. Uh, according to the the UAF Extension Center for varieties for South Central Alaska, there's eight different raspberry varieties that they recommend we grow down here. One of them call, is called Latham. It's uh, got an early maturity. It's got a, a decent yield. Uh, they sell them at Alaska nurseries. We've got one called Festival, which is a mid-season to late. They've got large fruit. Boyne, and I haven't heard of, of, of Boyne. I've heard of Latham and Festival. Boyne, it's an early producer. Uh, Reveille, uh, Indian Summer, they're both mid-season to late. Kiska, which is early to mid-season. Uh, it's very hardy. Uh, Golden Amber which is a mid-season, and it's a yellow raspberry, uh, which that almost doesn't make sense, does it? Because raspberry, you think of as red, but you got a yellow-red fruit? I don't know. Anyway, they're, they're, uh, they're a yellow fruit. But Titan, uh, mid-season, uh, the UAF sheet says they have very large fruits, mild flavor, and they're hardy to 15 below zero. Now, obviously, we're well, been well below 15 below zero this year, but you know, with a lot of snow on the ground, with a little bit of insulation, that's one of the things that's going to help those. That's going to help those plants. So anyway, that's some of the recommendations. And then one of the other ways to get your raspberry plants is, uh, and especially if you want to propagate them, if you've got friends that have got raspberries. I can about guarantee you they're going to be more than happy to let you come and take some cuttings. Uh, if you if you really want to learn about berries too, is you folks come to our roundtable. Bobby Jackson is the berry expert, uh, and that's what Bobby talks about every year at our roundtable is berries, different kinds of berries. You know the the strawberries, the Saskatoons, the uh, Hascaps, and uh, I uh, I bought my. Uh, Hascap plants from Bobby over the years, and they're doing great. But Bobby, Bobby can really 
uh, give you the give you the scoop on this. And I think and she usually sells them. She usually propagates these and sells these each, sum, each summer too. So anyway, uh, that would be one thing too to to really learn about them. And then the next thing, like I said, is just go to one of the nurseries and buy your raspberry plants and and look and see uh, to make sure that they're selling a variety that grows fairly decent in Alaska and do that. I don't know if I, you know, I, I hate to say this, I hate to uh, point a finger, but I'm not sure if I'd buy them from a big box store. You know, I'm, I'm not sure if some of our local nurseries do the same thing as some of the big box stores. It's worth asking the question. But for instance, uh, some of our big box stores, if you buy a plant from them and you plant it and it fails in a year, uh, you, can, you can take that dead plant back to wherever and they'll refund you or give you a new one. Uh, and I actually have done this before. Uh, I've had them, had them croak uh, and I took them back and I got a refund for those plants. So that's typically typically one of the ways, but I would recommend you you do this from one of our local nurseries like Bobby Jackson or uh, Trinity Darren down at Trinity, and uh, and and get something that good that those folks know they're experts on propagating those plants in the state of Alaska, and they're they're uh, going to be doing plants that are good for our region. So give it a try. Uh, you know, like I said before, you can't, uh, failure is what makes a better gardener. Uh, whether it works or not, it's okay. Uh, just give it a try. Be careful where you put them. Put them in a location where they're not going to be in the way, where you're not going to have to really cut grass up too close to them or put that barrier in. And you can actually, I've got some friends that have got a, a nice uh, raspberry patch in their backyard, and they actually put up some trellis to help control them and keep them in. And when they start growing, they'll, uh, you know, put a little tie on there to kind of keep them going where they want to. And uh, they actually the ones that offered me uh, to come and take some cuttings. And I, I may do that this year. I may see, I may give it a try from them. And, uh, and I don't, I don't really want to take the cuttings from the bushes behind our house that our neighbors have because they, you know, they're, they're not been taken care of. I don't know if there's any disease in there and they're just allowed to go wild and they're hard to get into. So I think I'm going to, I'm going to get, uh, if I'm getting some new ones, I'm going to talk to Bobby or Trinity, uh, or somebody else. And I'll try as an experiment getting them from my friends. So we'll see, uh, we'll see how that goes. We'll give that a try. So I hope this helped you a little bit on raspberries. And like I said, this was a topic that was suggested to me and asked of me to uh, try to talk about a little bit. And I hope, hope that worked out for you. Okay. Now for this next part of the show, what I wanted to talk about is some of the, the seeds that we should be starting right now, depending on what kind of gardener you are, what needs to be started right now uh, for the garden, especially if you've got room to start them, and to get a to get a uh, a head start. And and before I do that, uh, what I want to bring your attention to also is, uh, you know, I always talk about the uh, Cooperative Extension Service through uh, UAF, but you can go online, go to online to that uaf.edu publications page and bring up what's called a recommended variety list for South Central Alaska. 
And this has got a very, very comprehensive list of what will grow well in South Central Alaska. And uh, you get get this, if you're new to gardening, get this, get and also another publica- publication from UAF that's called 16 Easy Steps to Gardening in Alaska. And it helps get you start, started with some of your own vegetables in Alaska and uh and, and that's and that's that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. It's a wonderful list. This is from people that have done this for many many years, uh, but for South Central, and you know, for one of the examples, there's four varieties of broccoli they'll recommend: Pac-Man, Green Comet, Waltham 29. That's one of the uh, that's one of the the standards up here is Waltham and Emperor. Uh, you know, so yeah, get this publication. Uh, recommended variety list for South Central Alaska from the University of Alaska Extension Center and go through this list. And then one of the other things, as you've you've uh, heard me mention many times, is go to that uh, site, Best Cool Seeds, and those are the, the folks that, things that are guaranteed to grow in Alaska, and if they don't grow, you'll get your money back. Check out bestcoolseeds.com. And you can get their book on on uh, growing in Arctic and subarctic areas. Uh, I recommend this actually for any new gardener up here. Uh, it's just uh, there again. I just I can't say it enough. It's a wonderful, wonderful uh, book uh, for items that have been proven to grow in Alaska. So anyway, uh, what are some of the things that should be started right now. And when I say should be started, it, it kind of depends on what your goal as a gardener is. If if you want to, you know, kind of push the envelope a little bit and potentially really, really get into this and do some uh, do some heavy duty gardening. Now, now, if you if you just want to if you've got a small plot and you just want to grow maybe some broccoli, some lettuce, some cabbage, maybe some carrots and beets. You know, you don't you don't necessarily need to do a lot of this. But if but if you're really serious about this, like some of our gardeners are, then some things you need to be thinking about getting in the ground or getting in your seeds starting and get them propagate or get propagating, get them growing where you're ready to put them out. And that's almost hard to believe when you look at it. We've got what? February, March, April, and a couple weeks into May, and really June 1st, depending on, depending on what you're going to put out. So almost four months before we can get plants outdoors in the garden. Now, if you've got a greenhouse, there's things that you can be getting in the greenhouse a little bit earlier. Although, even in my little greenhouse, if it's getting really cold at night, I've got I've got uh, some covers that I can put on my plants in the greenhouse just to help protect them a little bit extra, uh, even in uh, in May, uh, in case in case we get some really cold nights. So anyway, uh, some of the things that that should be started in late January are your echinacea, leeks, shallots, onions, your rosemary, artichokes some hot peppers, some of the slower growing herbs. And, you know, the uh, you folks uh, I've mentioned several times too is I'm really intrigued. I follow uh, some gardeners in the United Kingdom, in England and Scotland. And 
some of them, those guys over there, they have an annual program, uh, expo over there. And one of the things they do there is they're growing extra large plants, kind of like we do for the Alaska State Fair. Well, they do, they do that too over there in competition. So like for the giant onions, they grow 10 plus pound onions over there. Well, the competition onion growers over there, they planted their onion starts in like October or November. And it's really amazing that, that they, my goodness, uh, I've watched some of the videos of them as they progress through this. And they're growing them in those, you know, those real small grow houses with uh, reflective walls and they're heated and they get them going. They use little supports for them and then they keep transplanting them up into a bigger container. Well, those things have actually been in the ground for a good two months plus now or in their their, uh, starter pots for a good two months now. And that's what it takes. That's the length of time it takes to, in fact, grow though to grow a 10 pound onion and i'll tell you what if you if you've ever wanted to see some pictures of gigantic onions just do a web search or a search on youtube and say uh united kingdom giant onions and i'll tell you what uh, the uh, the uh, the videos will pop up just uh in incredible it's just incredible uh, but it's so much fun to see these guys, and they grow uh, giant carrots, giant parsnips. Uh, they do the same thing up here, giant cabbages, giant cauliflowers, and it's just a hoot to watch that. But a lot of them, they, they start these really early, and they take care of them before they put them out. Uh, so anyway, those are the things late, late January that uh, should be started right now. Like I said, this is dependent on what you want to do. And uh, when you're starting things this early, too, one thing I want to remind folks of is be real careful. Make sure you've got the right tools in place to have a successful plant starts uh, from seed. And what I mean by that is if you're just doing it in a window, your plants are probably going to get what's called leggy. They're going to stretch they're going to absolutely stretch like there's no tomorrow to the light. And I, I'm sure we've all done this where you start some seeds in a window and they start coming up and then all of a sudden they start angling toward the window. Well, they're doing that because they're doing their best to get to where the light's coming in. So what that does is that gets one side of the plant to grow longer So then what do you do? You turn your plants around where they're pointing away from the window. And the next thing you know, uh, in not too much longer, you know, maybe a couple hours or so, they have turned back to the window. Well, you keep doing that back and forth and back and forth. Well, pretty soon that stem starts stretching and you get a plant that is absolutely leggy. It is so long. Now you have trouble standing up. So when I say this, what I mean having the right tools to do this with, uh, what I mean is to be sure that you've got a good place with actual artificial lighting. You know, when you're starting seeds, 
you can get those grow lights now. They're uh, LED grow lights. If you don't want to spend that kind of money, you can use actually a simple uh, fluorescent bulb light fixture. But whenever you're really doing that, that light fixture is typically, I mean, it's literally an inch above the soil. And as that plant starts to grow, you want to keep it close to that plant. You don't want to burn them. You got to be careful of that, depending on what kind of light you use. But you start lifting that light up real slow, and that actually will prevent those plants from getting too leggy. They're growing to the light, and sure they'll grow, uh, but that's, uh, like, like I said, uh, to me, it's just asking for trouble putting them in a window. So now, that, now I will say that there are certain things you can put in the window, but not if you're starting something right now in, in early February, because to me, they're going to get leggy. That's been my experience with it. So I like to keep them, uh, you know, I've, I've got a little grow light in our utility room and I'm, I'm having to be a little bit careful. I'm not sure uh, how I'm going to do that this year because we got a cat and this cat is a maniac and I, I got to fix up a place where the cat can't get in and destroy my, my seed start. So I'm working on that right now and uh, hopefully I can get something going uh, because we're not getting rid of the cat. The cat's a maniac. You folks that own cats know that. Uh, so I, I got to figure something else out or set something up in my garage maybe with uh, a light, turn the heat up in the garage a little bit and, and get a good uh, shelf going with, with a grow light over it. So anyway, early February, which we're in now, what do you want to think about starting? Uh, you want to maybe start some hot peppers, your catnip, parsley, uh, thyme, uh, stevia. Stevia grows pretty well up here. Uh, some lavender or oregano or oregano, uh, some leaf fennel. And uh, you start getting into later February, you can do sage, celery, Brussels sprouts, your scallions. Uh, and this list I'm looking at, it says state fair cabbage, you know, and then you can also get uh, need to get going your strawberries if you're going to do strawberries from seed. And uh, that's something that uh, I'd love to have Bobby uh, come on and talk to us and see if she's ever done strawberries from seed. I've watched a couple videos on how to do it, and it doesn't look too hard, but uh, it's obviously one of those things that takes time. Uh, so, yeah, starting uh, strawberry seed now uh, is one another one of those things that uh, that you have to watch pretty close, but you got to get them going pretty early to, to have a plant. And then we get into early March, and we've got, uh, you want to start your bell and your sweet peppers, uh, your marigolds. And uh, my wife and I, we, we love doing marigolds, and uh, we, we plant those from seed uh, uh, almost every year. And one of the things we like to do with our marigolds, too, is we've gotten to where we plant them out in the garden proper uh, as uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking Bar uh, barriers uh, around the, the perimeter of some of our raised beds uh, to do our best to keep pests out of the garden. And, uh, and it makes, uh, put some more color in the garden, which is a lot of fun to do. Now in mid-March coming up, and like I said, that's uh, about six weeks away for us is all, is you can think about getting your dahlia bulbs going and actually your tomatoes going. Now tomato, tomatoes are something that will really get leggy on you. But the cool thing about a tomato, as all you gardeners pretty well know, is a tomato can get really leggy 
it can get really long, which is leggy, but you can still plant that entire stem down in the ground up to just where the leaves are. And that plant will root out of that long stem and it makes them stronger. Uh, they get a good uh, root system underground and makes that plant strong. And one of the things, I've tried a couple different experiments uh, over the years with tomatoes. And for instance, if you, uh, if you buy a tomato plant already at one of the local nurseries or you start them yourself, you pot them up and they start getting really, really long, you know, uh, if you get a stem on them that's a foot long, you can lay that entire plant down in the ground and very carefully bend up those leaves really carefully, plant that whole stem in the ground just so the top leaves are sticking straight up. And usually I put soil around them to kind of pack it in a little bit to hold that up. And that plant will grow just fine. That tomato will grow wonderful. All those little hairs on that stem will turn into roots and uh, it works wonderful. It makes for a good, strong plant. Uh, and, and then if you don't like to do that, if you've got room, if you don't have room to do that, then uh, if you've got a, a tomato plant that's a foot taller, taller, just dig a deeper hole and plant that thing down in the ground up to just below those top leaves and it'll continue to it'll continue to go continue to grow so and i i've even had some that got so long i was actually able to uh coil them in the ground almost like you coil a hose you got to be careful with this you don't want to break that stem but you can coil them in the ground uh like i said like a hose have those leaves sticking up and it grows just fine it, it's it's a uh, getting getting tomatoes to grow up here isn't too big a deal getting them to flower and have a, a good yield that's tougher up here in alaska just due to our our cold uh the sunlight's fine but our growing season it is it can just be so tough on them and i've told you folks before i mean i planted a, a an arctic variety it's supposed to grow well in cold weather and it grew just wonderful outdoors. I had beautiful plants, but I'll tell you what, they absolutely would not set fruit. It was too cold that year. And man, I'm going around with my little electric toothbrush and rubbing each one, you know, uh, uh, they're self-pollinating. I'd touch each flower, uh, a little bit of pollen would poof out of there, they'd pollinate. But I'll tell you what, they absolutely wouldn't set fruit. So I gave up on trying to grow tomatoes outdoors, and I grow them in my greenhouse now. And if some of you folks were successful in growing them outdoors, boy, let me know. Uh, shoot me an email at Growing a Greener Kenai uh, and uh, uh, Growing a Greener Kenai at kdll.org, and uh, I would love love to hear your your uh, your thoughts on what you did to get your tomatoes to grow outdoors you know that would be that would be great but i'm i'm about done messing with it and you know and i say i'm done messing with it and you know me i'll try it again uh you know it's like i, I can't give up i can't give up so anyway uh mid-march dahlia bulbs tomatoes and then start getting into late march now we're starting to get into more of the plants that we all like to grow up here uh your broccoli cauliflower cabbage kohlrabi uh your romanesco broccoli uh, some of the, uh, the uh, herbs you want is uh, calendula, uh, sweet basil, your tomatillas, some of your lily bulbs, your collards. 
those are some of the those are some of the ones that you can uh, get going from seed now too. And there again, like I said, be sure you've got the right facilities, the right setup uh, to take care of those. And then, and then we get into early April. Uh, we're looking at kale, cilantro, your sweet corn, lettuce, some dill, your state fair cucumbers, and some nasturtium. Uh, now, nasturtiums. Uh, my wife loves nasturtiums, and uh, we typically we typically save a lot of our own seed. And this year, uh, she didn't collect them. She left her nasturtiums where they are, and we're going to see if they propagate on their own and see uh, see how they do. So, uh, uh, and remember, if you're growing sweet corn, uh, the odds of your sweet corn growing outdoors, like I said, a couple years ago when we had that hot, hot summer, corn probably would have done okay outdoors. But normally up here, especially last summer, uh, no way that I'm going to say that your corn's going to make it in a, a summer like last summer. So be sure you've got it under cover in a greenhouse, in a high tunnel, in something that's going to maintain some of that heat and keep that ground a little warmer uh, and your, and your uh, sweet corn is doing do better. And then we get into late April. We're looking at our zucchini, winter squash, summer squash, some cucumbers, pumpkins, and melons. And uh, uh, I, I grow zucchini. Uh, I don't really, I, I really haven't done, I've tried some winter squash, uh, and, oh, uh, they're like, like a lot of things, uh, fair, fair to Midland sometimes, other times not so well, uh, so it just kind of depends on, uh, on what you've got, what your facility, now one of the things I don't grow anymore is, uh, tomatillos, and I love tomatillos, and most people do, but the reason why I don't grow them is I think they're a little bit bossy. Uh, from the standpoint of they take up a lot of room in my experience. And I've had them in my greenhouse before, and they just take up, to me, too much room. If my greenhouse was bigger, I would I would think about it. But uh, I just don't have enough room in my greenhouse uh, to let them take over a, an entire corner of my, my greenhouse. Tomatillos are great, man, but they're, they're great to make a good salsa with. But I just, me, I just think they take up a little too much room. So then we get into May and we're looking, these are the things you can, you can do a direct sow. And you folks know what I mean there. Direct sow is seeds right in the ground. So we're talking about carrots, your potatoes, beets, Swiss chard, lettuce, peas, spinach, turnips, your cilantro and your dill. You can, uh, a lot of these things, you can start them earlier, but these are some of the things you can do direct sow. And then getting into June, and if you've got a greenhouse, you can actually do this a little bit before June. I've, I've had uh, uh, fairly good luck with this, but not much more before uh, June, uh, more like mid-May to give them time to, to, uh, to prop, let that greenhouse soil warm up a little bit. And that's uh, your beans uh, and some zucchini. You can do that. You don't have to start those because those, uh, those four items, those items rather, I'm sorry, a couple items need a little bit warmer soil. And one of the things you need to do is so many of these things can be transplanted. You can start them early, but if you're planting them outdoors, even in your, even in your greenhouse, if it's getting cold at night, be sure that you harden them off. And we all should know what hardening off means. That means that that plant's growing a little bit. Uh, you let it get outdoors and, uh, be uh, in in the natural environment in your starter pots 
uh, let a little wind hit them, let a little real sun hit them, and then take them back in wherever you're growing them. What my wife and I do is we start our things on tables in our garage and a couple of tables in the garage and those items as they start to grow when we start getting some really decent sunny days we just carry the table out and let it sit in front of the garage door uh, when the sun hits them and as long as it's not too windy we let them sit out there and we might let them sit out there for 10 or 15 minutes on day one put them back in the garage and if it's nice we might set them out again that day back in the garage and you extend that time outdoors a little bit longer each time until they're big enough, they're strong enough to potentially stay outside on their own and get them in the ground or wherever, wherever you're going to plant them. That's what we do. Uh, so if you're going to do transplants, and it's the same way, uh, you know, I, I usually start my sweet corn early. I don't, you can direct sow corn, but I start my sweet corn early. Uh, in individual pots and a transplant it and that seems to work pretty well but since i'm doing it in my greenhouse i don't really worry as much about hardening off maybe i will a little bit uh but not not like you typically are going to harden off other items because they're going to stay in the greenhouse so anyway that's another one of those things uh that you just learn with experience and doing that and there again like i said all these items that I'm talking about, if you folks will come by the round table on February 17th, you can learn about a lot of this from all these folks that are going to be there. I'm going to go over the list one more time of them. Bobby Jackson will be talking berries. Kathy Haas will be starting talking about seed starting. We got Dennis Spindler talking about your perennials. Jeanette will be talking about the food connection. Mary and Owen will talk about herbs. Sarah from uh, Kenai Feed will be talking about the food uh, uh, high tunnels. Lee, Bra Lee Brewer will be talking about grow buckets. Sarah from uh, Sarah's Alaska Honey will be talking about bees, and Sarah always has some nice stuff there to, to talk about the bees. And then, uh, and then yours truly, me, I'll be talking about growing potatoes in containers and uh, trying to make your life as easy as possible on, on growing potatoes in a container. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, if you want to learn about a lot of this stuff, uh, just, uh, just come on down to the, to the uh, round table, like I said, on February 17th, 12 to 2.30, at Kenai Peninsula College. Come in the door where the, where the scrap metal moose are, and, uh, and we'd love to see you there and uh, hopefully help you learn a few things about gardening. So, anyway, well, you know what that is. That's the Beatles' Octopus's Garden. And that means there's only about two minutes. Uh, now there's a minute and a half left in the show. And, you know, one of the other things that's not related to gardening, but uh, some of you folks know my friend David and I, we do a movie show. Well, coming up a week from today at the Soldatna Library at 2.30 is uh, the Kenai Peninsula Film Group uh, short movie, uh, movie shorts program that uh, we hold once a month. So come on down to the library at about 2.30 and uh, watch some uh, movie shorts with us. They're usually anywhere from 3 to 10 or 15 minutes long, and we have a lot of fun talking about them. So anyway, uh, thanks again, folks, for listening. Uh, hope you had a good time. Hope you learned a few things. If there's anything you'd like to, to see me talk about on Growing a Greener Keen Eye, like I said, shoot me that email at growingagreenerkeeneye at kdll.org. 
And if I don't have the answer for you, I can get the answer for you. Because uh, like I said, uh, gardening is always a learning situation. And uh, there's always something new to learn. So anyway, thanks again, folks. I love doing this. I hope you like listening to it. And once again, I'd like to get some of you folks uh, out there who uh, understand gardening to come on the show with me and uh, let me pick your brain and let's just come on and talk gardening. So anyway, this is listener-supported public radio for the Central Kenai Peninsula, KDLL 91.9 FM, Kenai Soldatna. It's 12 o'clock. Thanks a lot, folks.